0: Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinny Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop in spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you've never opened the Bible or have read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Today, our topic is going to be perfect peace. Let's begin in Isaiah chapter 26. In Isaiah chapter 26, beginning in the first verse, it says, In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates, that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. For he bringeth down them that dwell on high, the lofty city. He layeth it low. He layeth it low even to the ground. He bringeth it even to the dust. The foot shall tread it down, even the feet of the poor, and the steps of the needy. The way of the just is a brightness. Thou, most upright, dost weigh the path for the just. Yea, in the way of thy judgments, O Lord, have we waited for thee. The desire of our soul is to thy name and to the remembrance of thee. With my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Let favor be showed to the wicked, yet will he not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness will he deal unjustly and will not behold the majesty of the Lord. Lord, When thy hand is lifted up, they will not see, but they shall see, and be ashamed for their envy at the people. Yea, the fire of thine enemies shall devour them. Lord, thou wilt ordain peace for us, for thou also hast wrought all our works in us. In this chapter, we find the importance of peace. Peace is one of the greatest things that we can have in our lives. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit, especially during the days that we live in. It's crucial to our spiritual health and well-being that we have and that we understand peace. Getting a good and firm understanding of what exactly peace is can drastically change our lives for the better. Peace is a noun coming from the Latin roots pax and "paco," which mean to appease. Peace is defined as freedom from agitation or disturbance by the passions, as from fear, terror, anger, anxiety, or the like quietness of mind, tranquility, calmness, quiet of conscience. The word used for peace in Isaiah 26 and 12 is the Hebrew word shalom, which means completeness, soundness, welfare, peace. Strong's Concordance goes on further saying that shalom has to do with safety, health, and prosperity. The world's definitions of peace will always be inadequate. The peace that God has set apart for us as his people goes far beyond what we can conceive of in the natural. It is God's will for us to live peacefully and to operate in peace. Verse three gives us deeper insight into the peace that God has for us. It says, "Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. The word for peace here is the same as in verse 12. It's the word shalom. The word for perfect in the phrase perfect peace is not the usual words that are translated as perfect. The word used for perfect is also the Hebrew word shalom. Both words in the Hebrew are shalom. So the phrase perfect peace in Hebrew is peace, peace. This changes a lot when it comes to how we understand this verse. Peace is a noun and finding the same noun repeated twice consecutively is strange to us who speak English. But it becomes clear to us when we see it through the lens of the Hebrew that it was originally written in. It becomes difficult to discern the emphasis meant for certain phrases in Hebrew because there is no punctuation in the language. Due to the lack of punctuation, there are various linguistic techniques used for emphasis in Hebrew. One Hebrew scholar wrote, one of these techniques is term repetition. Some examples of this include slave of slaves in Genesis 9.25 to indicate the lowest of slaves. Evermore of evermores in Isaiah 34 and 10, meaning forever. Gladness my joy in Psalm 43 and 4, where two synonyms for joy are repeated. Another similar technique is the repetition with a change in the form of one of the words. For example, in Genesis 2 and 17, the word die is repeated in the form of dying and is translated as surely die. This is a standard Hebrew form used for emphasis. In these examples, the first word of the two, in each case, is an infinitive absolute. When the infinitive absolute form is with the same word in its basic form, then this is a special construction used for the sake of emphasis. We find term repetition used in English too, although it is very rare because of our punctuation system. We find it in the use of double negatives. Shakespeare used this technique in his phrase, no not which was used to emphasize no. If we apply this understanding of how the Hebrew works, we get a clearer picture of what God is saying here. The peace that God is offering to us, the peace that he desires to give us, is absolute and it's infinite. It's absolute because once God has given this peace to us, no one and no power in hell can ever take it away from us. He puts it within us and he seals it within us by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's absolute, it's there, and it will always be there. We have to receive what the Lord is trying to give us, with joy and with gladness. This peace is also infinite. It's not just for the here and now. It's for all of eternity. This peace is always there within us forever, and it's always available, ready to be tapped into whenever we need it. The world tries to offer us a counterfeit, false, temporal type of so-called peace that is never truly sufficient. God, on the other hand, offers true peace, absolute peace, and infinite peace. His peace is beyond any ordinary type of peace. It's beyond anything we could ever fathom in the natural. He offers us a supernatural, eternal peace, which is far greater than anything the world could ever give us. This special type of peace, this perfect peace that God is offering to us, is not given unconditionally. This promise is conditional. The first part of verse 3 said, "Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. The promise is the receiving of perfect peace, but the condition is keeping our minds stayed on God. This is why so many Christians today don't have peace in their lives. They haven't kept their minds stayed on God. We find Christians today who are plagued with anxiety. They're confused and scared. They don't know where to go or what to do. They're looking for answers, and the answer to all of these problems that Christians are faced with today is peace, but not just any peace, the absolute, infinite, perfect peace that only God can give us. We should all desire to have this peace operating in our lives. We as the people of God need to make the choice today to do our part and keep our minds stayed on God and on the things of God. We need to take a closer look at what exactly it means to keep our minds stayed on God. Verse 3 in the NSAB version says, The steadfast of mind, you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. The word used for steadfast in the NSAB and stayed in the King James is the Hebrew word samach, which means to lean, lay, rest, or support. The Concordance goes on further to say it also means to bear up, establish, uphold, take hold of. This is an important definition as it relates to keeping our mind on God. Next, we need to look at the word for mind. The word used for mind is the word yetzer, which means a form, framing, or purpose. It also means imagination, mind, or work. We need to keep our imagination stayed on God the same way that we need to do so with our mind. In many cases, it's our imagination that either causes us to lose our peace or keeps us from experiencing peace in the first place. The imagination is a double-edged sword. It's inherently good, but because of our sinful fallen nature, it can also be used in ways that God did not intend. It can cause problems for us. It can make us anxious, fearful, and confused. We hear a bad news report and we start to imagine a dire future. We imagine the worst case scenario. We see prices rising, and we start to imagine that we won't be able to pay our bills. We see gasoline rising, and we imagine that we won't be able to get to work. The imagination can be dangerous. It can easily steal our peace from us if we let it. But we need to be steadfast and stand firm in the things and in the ways of God. Our mind can do the same thing. Our imagination is part of our mind. It's one of its many functions. When we get and keep our mind stayed on God, It will bring our imagination with it, because the imagination is part of the whole. It's not its own independent entity. Our mind is susceptible to accepting lies and deceptions, under the false pretense that they are right. The mind can also be easily distracted. The devil wants to get our minds off of the things of God and onto the things of the world, because when this is the case, he can slowly and subtly steal our peace from us, without us even noticing it, until it's gone completely. We can't allow this to be the case with us. We need to lean on God and rest in Him. We need to be established in God and in the things of God, and we need to bear up our minds by building them up and guarding them. We also need to take hold of the promises of God through faith. When we do these things, we will be keeping our minds stayed. The concept of keeping our mind implies that we are not only guarding and preserving it, but we're also maintaining it in its current state. Philippians 2 and 5 tells us, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Romans 12 and 2 tells us, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Once we are born again, and the Lord begins to renew our minds, the foundation is laid for keeping our minds stayed on God, having Christ within us, and having our minds constantly renewed into a closer image of His allows us to bring our minds and our imaginations under the control of God so we can keep our thoughts and our way of thinking centered on Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verses 4 through 5 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Although the devil will constantly try to influence our minds, we must remember that our mind is still our own. We have the authority to control what we think about and what we imagine. When thoughts and imaginations arise that are not of God, we need to cast them out and rebuke them and redirect our way of thinking. Philippians 4 and 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. We now need to look at the last part of verse 3 of Isaiah 26, which says, Because he trusteth in thee, Then verse 4 goes on to say, Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. God keeps those whose mind is steadfastly on Him in perfect peace because they trust in Him. Like this promise itself, trust is never unconditional. It's always based on conditions that are met. Trust comes from experience. It never comes in any other way. As we go through life and grow deeper in God, we experience Him firsthand. We see His faithfulness. We see that He never fails. And we see that He will never leave or forsake us. We see that He really does work all things out for our good. And it's this that causes us to be able to put our trust in Him. Because we know from experience that He is reliable and that He is dependable. Our trust in God allows us to take those things that try to steal our peace, like anxiety and fear and confusion, and give them over to God and rest in Him and in His promises because we know that He is going to work it all out, and the proof that He will is in the fact that He has done so many times before. Trusting is also the foundation for keeping our minds stayed on God because it takes our minds off of ourselves and puts them on God and on His faithfulness. Once we are removed from the equation, our mind has nowhere else to go and nothing else to focus on but God. Trusting first lays the foundation for having our mind stayed, and then having our mind stayed lays the foundation and prepares us to receive perfect peace from God. This is the pattern that God has established. It doesn't work in any other way. When we are going deeper in God and truly have a fruitful relationship with him, he will be able to not only trust us, but also entrust us with his peace, the peace of God, infinite, absolute, perfect peace. Isaiah 26 and 12 said, Lord, thou wilt ordain peace for us, for thou also hast wrought all our works in us. It is God's will and it's his desire for us to have peace and to live in it. He has ordained it for us. He has set it apart for us as our special portion and inheritance. Even though it's clear that God wills peace for us, we will never just have it automatically. God offers it and then we need to do our part. And then when he gives it, we need to receive it. Let's go to John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, beginning in verse 23, it says, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which he hears not mine, but the Father which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you love me, Ye would rejoice, because I said I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it is come to pass, ye might believe. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh, and have nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. Verse 27 is crucial to our study. It says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. He leaves us peace. It's our inheritance. It's our heritage as heirs and joint heirs with Christ. This is the legacy that he desires for us to partake of. He leaves it there for us. And it's our job to reach out and to take it. He also says that he gives it to us. From this, we understand that peace is a gift. He wants us to have peace, but we have to be willing and obedient. We have to do what is necessary to be ready to receive it. Then we need to receive peace from God with joy and thankfulness. We also see in this chapter the concept of keeping the mind stayed on God. We find it in verse 23. It says, If a man love me, he will keep my words. The word used here for word is logos, which means a word, as embodying an idea, a statement, a speech. The concordance goes on further to say it means a word. Being the expression of a thought, a saying, it is preeminently used of Christ, expressing the thoughts of the Father through the Spirit. This verse stresses the importance of keeping our minds stayed and centered on God. With the use of this particular word in the Greek, it shows that when he says, keep my words, he is also saying, keep my thoughts, because the words are the expressions of the thoughts. And the only way that we could properly do this is by keeping our minds stayed on him. We must be steadfast in God if we are to receive his perfect peace. Also in this chapter, we find trust. Verse 27 ends with, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And we also find this same concept earlier in the chapter, in verse 1, which says, Let not your heart be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me. These verses show the importance of putting our trust completely in God without wavering. We even find further evidence that trust is based on experience. Verse 29 says, and now I have told you before it come to pass that when it has come to pass, ye might believe. The word for believe is the Greek word pisto, which means to believe, to have faith in, to trust in, to entrust. When the disciples saw God's faithfulness firsthand through his word coming to pass, it gave them the experience to base their trust on. They were free to trust in God, and because of their trust, God was able to entrust them with his perfect peace. Trust, steadfastness of mind, and peace is a pattern that we find all throughout scripture. It's the pattern that God has established. Matthew Henry, in his commentary of Isaiah 26, said, All who belong to God are safe and easy, and have a security and serenity of mind in the assurance of God's favor. That will keep him in peace. In perfect peace, inward peace, outward peace, peace with God, peace of conscience, peace under all events. Those that trust in God must have their minds stayed upon Him, and such as do so, God will keep in perpetual peace, and that peace shall keep them. Trust in Him forever, at all times, when you have nothing else to trust to. Whatever we trust to the world is confined within the limits of time, but what we trust in God for will last as long as we shall last. Isaiah 26 and 3 in the Amplified Bible says, You will keep him in perfect and constant peace, the one whose mind is steadfast, that is committed and focused on you in both inclination and character, because he trusts and takes refuge in you with hope and confident expectation. God wants us to have peace today. It's his will for our lives. He wants to give you a peace, far beyond anything that the world could ever think to give you. He wants you to have absolute, infinite, perfect peace that only he can give you. Let's make the choice today to take hold of this promise and to receive it in faith. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day. And Lord, as we see all the chaos and all the destruction going on in the world all around us, Lord, we thank you that you have not left that to be our inheritance, But that instead of that, you have given us your peace. You have left it with us as an inheritance for us. And Lord, we thank you for that. And today we claim it in faith for our lives. Lord, we thank you that as you have done many times before, as you're doing now and as you will do again, that you are delivering us. And Lord, because of that, we know that we can put our trust completely in you. And Lord, we thank you for the strength and the endurance necessary to keep our minds stayed on you so that we may stay focused and keep moving forward in faith in the days ahead. And Lord, no matter what lies ahead, we put our trust in you, and we know that we have that inward eternal peace because you gave it to us. And Lord, for everybody listening today, Lord, we ask a special blessing on them and every household represented. And Lord, above all, we give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to have perfect peace and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for His forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for His free gift of eternal life. Now, if you've prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. And if you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from. And if you follow and subscribe, so that more people can hear the King's word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all, and we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's word together.